1: Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. And welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins,
0: and my name is Derek Diamond,
1: and we're inching ever closer, ever, ever closer to Pensacon 2020.
0: Oh crap! Is that this weekend? It's This weekend. Oh boy!
1: <laughs> Starts when, when this when this episode drops. It will be.
0: Uh, it's it'll start in like 30 hours. <laughs> I know. It's in all seriousness, it's pretty insane, you, know, I know we we talked about it a little bit uh, when you recorded a segment for my show that'll be out tomorrow as well. Speaking of that, uh,
1: I don't know if you oh, want to reveal what your show is about tomorrow, but yeah, uh,
0: no I, I can I can go ahead and do that. Yes, so please. I had Jason Robbins on the podcast to talk about Tron because we're getting closer to the forty year anniversary. Of Tron, I think it's the 38-year anniversary this year. But I wanted to do that for two reasons. One, there's going to be a big Tron reunion at Pensacon. They're going to do a Q and A with the I think three or four cast members that are there, and then afterwards they're going to show the the film. The second reason is because in the second half of the Derek Diamond experience, you will hear my conversation with Yori herself, Cindy Morgan mm-hmm. will be on the show. And little trivia fact, and I, I don't think I've ever ever even told you this. So back when we first started doing the Nerd Cave back in 2013, we went to this other convention. It wasn't PensaCon, because PensaCon wasn't around yet. It was the small con at the Pensacola fairgrounds. And there one of the guests was Cindy Morgan. Oh yeah. So tech so technically she is the very first celebrity I've ever interviewed. Oh, nice! I didn't even know that. So it, it was a it was a nice little reunion. So, um, she talks about you know the making of Tron, and what was equally as fun. So she was also in Caddyshack, which is the 40 year anniversary of that movie's this year. Wow! That was her very first movie she ever did. <laughs> I didn't know that either and she said the set is about as crazy as you would think it would be
1: <laughs> i can only imagine
0: and she tells some stories but you'll have to listen to the podcast to to hear those
1: that's cool we we talked about tron when we recorded my my segment for the show and then mm-hmm. last night i got uh really wanted to watch tron again so i i fired it up on disney plus and watched it doesn't the, it look uh, great oh my gosh it looks so good you could see so many things like even i got the the 30th anniversary or was it the 20th 20th anniversary dvd set and uh, mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s and man even that doesn't look as good as the uh, the hd version that they have on disney plus and man that movie's good and it holds up like crazy
0: it really does and that's something that because i remember the very first time i watched it i felt like it moved a bit slow But I don't think that anymore. Like, I actually really like... And I like Legacy, too. But there's something about that original Tron movie yeah, that just makes me respect it. And I think it's because of all the crap that they had to do to pull that off back then.
1: I can't imagine (laughs) what they had to do to make that movie look the way it did. Like, just the computer animation itself looks so good. And just to think, like, they... They couldn't even see what they were the, the computer animators couldn't even see what they were doing. Like it was mm-hmm. just all code. And they didn't see it until it was rendered. And it was like, oh, okay, that's what it looks it looks
0: like. Yeah, it's it makes you very grateful for what we have today. But man, that
1: that movie's so good. I now I want to go back and watch Legacy
0: again. And uh Yeah, yeah. I watched um I watched Legacy after after we had our conversation the other day. Um, Legacy still
1: good. Did you ever go check out the, uh, the what was the name of the cartoon again? Um, Uprising. Uprising. I did you ever get a chance not to yet, look at that? but it
0: is on my agenda for, for next week after Pensacon. Cool. I
1: think you'll really like it because it it really is very, very underrated. Yeah, and funny enough, it.
0: an IT guy came by, um, came by my work the other day And he brought up Pensacon, and I mentioned, you know, about the whole Cindy Morgan interview, and he's like, yeah, oh, Tron's, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. (laughs) So we talked about Tron for, like, ten minutes while he was installing my new computer.
1: It's so amazing that they're all going to be there. I'm going to be geeking out all over them.
0: I know. It's going to be cool. Like, there's actually, like, a lot of – if you look at the the guest list for Pensacon, it's not as big as years past, but I think they went for – quality over quantity
1: dude they just added edward james almost the other day i
0: know i'm like what (laughs) yeah because they lost i think two or three people yeah but you know mike Insley pulled a miracle out again so props to props to them
1: i saw that and i was like that no (laughs) no
0: way (laughs) that's nuts it's going to be a really fun a really fun convention and we'll uh we went over it last week but at the end of the show we'll go yeah. over our uh guest our panel itinerary again because yeah, by the time this episode
1: drops you have 24 hours left before the convention starts so better get your yeah. tickets now <laughs>
0: yes yes so how's the how's your week been other than watching tron
1: uh it's been going okay um just working and uh haven't really felt like doing much comedy this week, so I've been kind of laying low, resting up, getting ready for Pensacon because I know it's gonna be a uh, gonna be a tiring weekend. I mean, it's gonna be fun, but it's definitely gonna be tiring. So I'm just kind of resting up before the the madness happens. Well, you definitely
0: have to rest before the Maguire's trip.
1: Oh yeah, I gotta. I'm been trying to stretch the stomach out so I can fit another eighteen yeah. pound burger in my stomach. <laughs>
0: Got to clear out some stomach space.
1: (laughs) But uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go into the news?
0: No, I mean, my my week's just been, you know, prepping for Pensacon, you know, with all the panels that I got to do, make sure I have got, you know, everything lined up and everything. I I will get I will give this little tease. This is the one thing I will say about defending bad movies. (laughs) The magic number of choices is 80, 80 movies. Yes. Wow. I, I will say this because I know he's listening. Brandon Rutledge, you have no idea what you're in for. So what was
1: your criteria for picking movies? Was it just did you look up worst movie lists or did you go by IMDb ratings or what? I did both. Okay. So you kind of did it, a cross-reference.
0: So I did throw in a few of the same from last year because I know we've got quite a few new people on the panel. Yeah. And then some that weren't used for the comedy festival, I threw in as well. So, because I, I still had the the like little sheets of paper that I print out, so luckily those those most of them were still in the hat. So I just pulled those out and <laughs> added them to the list. But no, they, we will not run out of movies. Fantastic. I can promise you that.
1: I am so looking forward to that. That's my most looked forward to thing at Pensacon.
0: I I, I would agree with that.
1: So, if you guys, any of you listening, are going to Pensacon, you want to be there for the uh, the defending bad movies panel because it's going to be epic this year.
0: Saturday night prime time, baby. Prime
1: time, baby. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and move into the news. <laughs> see what's his name uh how do you, how you pronounce his name ka- <laughs> this is from npr.com everybody knows the the most famous cheat code of all time the konami code the creator was a ka kazuhisa hashimoto i guess that's how you pronounce that um he passed away Sounds good to me uh he was the man who invented the konami code cheat that became pervasive in video gaming and pop culture To use the code, players will press up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, and the start button on the controller to make games easier. It was named after the popular Japanese gaming and entertainment company Konami, where Hashimoto, worked. Uh, Konami confirmed Hashimoto's death in an email to NPR and said in a tweet that it was saddened to hear the news. His age has been variously reported as 61 to 79. So, I don't think anybody really knows how old he was, but it seems he was somewhere in that range.
0: Well, when you think of the Konami code, you think of just an iconic piece of video game history. Yeah. Especially from that time, because you you think of that code, you don't just use... It wasn't just used for games. I've seen it on shirts. I've seen it on bumper stickers. I've seen it on coffee mugs. I've seen it on so many pieces of memorabilia. Like Mm -hmm. This is something that extends beyond... Just video games, yeah. Even casual gamers from that time know the Konami code. So, you know, in his own small way, he created a very big and timeless piece of video game history. Yeah, that will live forever.
1: And you know, they use it in everything. I mean, it was used in uh, Wreck It Ralph. Um, yep. It's been in movies, and of course, the, you know, the I think the game it was actually created for Gradius. Um, but big, and I think he said, yeah, it said something here. Um, he he is credited for, credited for work on at least nine video games. He created the code when he was in charge of taking the arcade version of the spacecraft shooting game Gradius and converting it for the NES in 86. He said he hadn't played it that much and obviously couldn't beat it. So he put in the Konami code, um, because he was the only one who was going to be using it. He made sure it was easy to remember. (laughs) And um, I remember famously using this code. I think the one game that most everyone used it for was Contra. I think that was the game that really put it into the pop-cultural pantheon.
0: Yeah, I personally never used the code, but it's something that I definitely remember from my younger days. Yeah. So it's, it's like I said, it's a piece of video game legend that will... It will be remembered for the end of time. As long as video games are around, yeah, people will remember the Konami code. So, well, it's just the the
1: the code itself. I mean, like uh, this has been told a hundred, a thousand times, but it turned Contra from the hardest game you've ever played to the easiest game you've ever played. Like, if I play Contra without the Konami code, it would I would be you know dead in five minutes. Like, just game over. But with the Konami code, I can actually beat the game in less than 30 minutes. And that's how I streamed it when I beat it. I put in the Konami code. You pretty much just go straight through the game with that code. Because you pretty much never die. Yeah. But yeah, he he will be missed. And um, like I said, that that code is burned into into the pop cultural lexicon forever, I think.
0: Oh, for sure. Definitely, but our next story comes to us from KeenGamer and I believe this is a follow up on something we talked about not too long ago. <laughs> uh, Numskull Games picks up Kickstarter hack and slash retro gaming hit Battle Axe for consoles and PC. Launched on the twenty eighth of January, Battle Axe has smashed through its goal of forty thousand pounds, I believe is. That's what that symbol is for, and has now reached over forty nine thousand with seven days to go at the time of writing. That is fantastic. I know. Uh, Battle Axes lead designer Hink Nieborg has partnered up with dedicated publisher of indie titles Numskull Games to bring the '80s and '90s inspired hack and slash adventure to a wider audience. And it says here in the headline, it is being made for the Switch, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, PC. Mac and Linux
1: I'm definitely Which, e- excited for this game I don't know about you
0: I might have mentioned this when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago the look of it makes me think if Secret of Mana were made today yeah, it would look exactly like this so just for the look alone I, I'm sold on it I, I definitely think this is something that when it comes out we should get it and do a co-review of it yeah, it's definitely got that
1: cartoonish it's got a real blizzard vibe to it, almost like mm-hmm. um it's got a real torchlight vibe to it. Uh imagine if if they used a torchlight skin on a Gauntlet game.
0: Yeah. It also says here that Battle Axe is being developed by a small but highly experienced team. There's also the legendary composer Manami Matsume, who composed Mega Man, Final Fight, and Shovel Knight. Oh, yeah. And programmer Mike Tucker, who worked on Super House of Dead Ninjas and Xenocrisis. Yeah, I forgot all
1: about the, uh, the composer. I meant to put that, actually look that up. I'm glad this was in the article, because I heard about this the other day. Um, that composer, Manami Matsume, I mean, he did the Mega Man music and final mm-hmm. fight and final fight still some of my favorite music on the super nintendo
0: Well, i think that adds instant credibility to this
1: oh absolutely i'm excited I, for this I'm, game it looks so i'm cool. really
0: looking forward to it it says here that battle axe currently has an approximate release date to its platforms of quarter 1 2021 and you can check out their website for updates. And it looks pretty fin-
1: like pretty far along too. So hopefully mm-hmm. now it's just they're going to spend the next year polishing it up and making it a, the best game it can be because it looks so cool. Like it, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you haven't checked it out yet, I mean just look up Battle Axe uh gameplay. I'm sure you can find some YouTube vids because there's a couple here and the uh And yeah, there's a game trailer for it on YouTube for Battle Mm -hmm. Axe. Go check that out. And it's just got such a cool vibe to it.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. This will be like when it comes out, I'll get it pretty soon after its release.
1: Yeah, same here. Uh, Our next story comes from Destructoid.com. Sonic the Hedgehog movie has grossed over $210 million so far. Um, who would have thought it? It was already something of an odd undertaking to drop a Sonic the Hedgehog movie long, long after the character's peak popularity. Then there was the unforgettable controversy that followed the initial trailer, seemingly writing the project's epitaph. And yet here we are, just a fortnight after release, and Sonic the Hedgehog has grossed over $200 million uh, USD to date. Um, let's see. It doesn't say anything. Um, it says, um... Carrie has since noted that he would gladly return for a potential sequel, which, given the film's current momentum, seems inevitable. But we still have yet to get an announcement for Sonic 2, which I think is a little bit weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been the number one movie at the box office the last two weeks. It's absolutely exceeded expectations. And it says here, it didn't wow critics... But fans have loved it. And you called this, and I'll give you full credit on it. I think the word of mouth has helped this movie oh, since uh, yeah. its release. Because when I went, because I, I saw it again um, late last week. And the theater was decently packed yeah. when I was there. I went, like, I think late Friday night. And there was a pretty good crowd there. And honestly,
1: I don't. there's not much competition for it this coming up weekend either. So I think it's going to have a pretty good weekend coming up again uh, for its third weekend. And I think that's going to easily push it over the 300 million mark after this weekend worldwide.
0: I think so, too. The point that really stands out to me about this article is that this was released a long time after Sonic's popularity yeah. because Sonic has not been relevant in a very long time. So the fact that this movie came out, I think it's the combination of people initially went to see it one out of curiosity and two, I like to think it's because Paramount actually listened to the fans yeah. and changed the design. And then from there, word of mouth has helped keep the momentum going. Not
1: only that, but it's just a good family movie too you know it's perfect it, for kids
0: it is and it's something that i think adults can enjoy too because it's it's not a very complicated movie yeah like it it doesn't stray very far from its initial point yeah so it's easy to follow and i like that it doesn't take itself very seriously exactly like it it knows it's a silly video game movie and i think that's what
1: makes it enjoyable to adults too because it's not it's not dumb i mean it's a dumb premise but because they lean into it and they know it's dumb it makes it enjoyable to just to make it a good popcorn movie you know you can take your kids to see it and you still get some enjoyment out of it as an adult especially somebody you know people our age that grew up with sonic the hedgehog
0: and I'll be honest, I am I might try and go see this for a third time before it <laughs> goes out of theaters.
1: Yeah, I still want to see it one more time before it leaves theaters.
0: I mean, and I mentioned this last week when we did our, our in-depth review on it, but there's so many directions that they can go with a sequel. Oh, absolutely. And I do think the sequel, and I won't go too in-depth on it, but I do think the sequel... Will be more accurate to the games because of what is set up at the end.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Plus, they they'll dump a lot more money into it, so they can set it somewhere other than Earth.
0: And I've watched a couple of clips online, and God, Jim Carrey is just so great. Oh yeah, in this movie, it it gave me flashbacks of watching like The Mask (laughs) and Liar Liar, Ace Ventura, like when he was at his peak popularity. Oh yeah. It He's was so just like that, so I, I I I love Jim Carrey and I loved him as Robotnik.
1: Oh yeah, well, our next story is the the feel good story of the night. So <laughs> oh this
0: this was great. I, I fortunately I was able to read this before we started recording, but this our last story comes to us from Forbes dot com. Ninety five year old grandmother's beloved Game Boy broke, so Nintendo found a replacement for free. A story in the Japanese national newsletter. As- Asai Shimbun last week regarding a 95-year-old grandmother's broken Game Boy and Nintendo's customer service trended heavily on Twitter, racking up nearly 198,000 likes and 67,000 retweets. So essentially what happened, uh, this woman's 70-year-old daughter recounts that the grandmother was a lifelong fan of Tetris on the 30-year-old Game Boy, but as her health waned, so too did her Game Boy's functionality. This being her third Game Boy, and with the device being discontinued in 2003, the family had difficulty finding anyone who could repair or replace it. But after her grandson mentioned Nintendo's divine customer service, the grandmother misheard it for paper and ended up pinning a letter to send to Nintendo along with the broken handheld. Nintendo then got back within a week saying it couldn't repair the device as it didn't have the parts available, but that it had found a brand new one in one of its warehouses, And was sending it to her post haste.
1: Can I pretend to be a ninety-five-year-old grandmother and (laughs) (laughs) can I get a free, brand new Game Boy in the box from Nintendo? (laughs) Uh,
0: I'll be your grandson who writes the letter on behalf. Uh, and it says here, the daughter closed a letter to the newspaper saying her mother passed away at the age of 99 but was mentally still aware until the end of her life and believes she was thankful for the support from Nintendo. So I, I will just say to, to Nintendo, bravo, that, that
1: was great. And, and it says here, just kind of as a side note, that Nintendo sold 119 million original Game Boys. It is still um, uh, one of the most popular pieces of gaming hardware ever released. I think the only thing that's beaten it is uh, the PlayStation Two, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. It's crazy. No, people love the Game Boy. I mean, it was just the because you had so many people traveling to visit family or go on vacation, and that and that's primarily what I used the Game Boy for was yeah. to play it on, you know, three plus hour car rides. I didn't have siblings to play with, so I had to entertain myself. Could
1: you imagine if you uh, went back in time to your, you know, five-year-old self or me to my ten-year-old self and and had a, a Game Boy, but you go back in time with the Nintendo Switch and say, "Hey, play this," <laughs> <laughs> blow my mind.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Like, what is that- this <laughs> witchcraft, witch? What am I holding right now? <laughs> this isn't Super Mario World. No, actually it is. Here, go to the the e
1: shop. Oh, and if you're looking any, for any Nintendo Switch or any kind of gaming accessories, dude, I found the shop. My my girlfriend took me to this shop called uh, what was it called? Five Below. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a a place called Five Below, and everything in the store is five dollars and under and they had so much gaming stuff in there like uh
0: right.
1: charging um stations for the switch uh um they had all kind of accessories for the switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox. Um they had gaming uh keyboards, like headsets, everything in there, but all that stuff was like i think around 5 to 10 bucks because it was electronics. But, man, everything there was cheap. It was just like, I want this, I want this, I want this.
0: Funny you mention that. They actually opened a Five Below at the um, little shopping center that's like a block from my house.
1: Dude, go check it out. They have so a bunch I'll of gaming stuff. I'll check it stuff.
0: out now. I have to do that after this weekend. I was surprised. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, though.
1: But um, I'm ready to move into uh, uh, this month in video game history. February 12th of 1990, Nintendo releases the NES game Super Mario Bros. 3 in North America. It sells 17.28 million copies, making one of the best-selling standalone video games of all time.
0: One of the greatest, not just Mario games, but one of the greatest video games ever made.
1: And you can see how much I love Super Mario Bros. 3 since I have... All the artwork behind me as my backdrop. <laughs> it's
0: a familiar-looking poster. Yes, it is. I have signed that exact the, same one hanging up in my living room. We got
1: them the same day, signed by the voice of Mario himself.
0: Yes. Now, I can't say enough good things about Mario Brothers 3, and I think it has probably the most iconic uh, power-up in Mario history, the, the raccoon leaf.
1: Oh, yeah. I oh man, that, there's not much to dislike about Super Mario Brothers three. We still have the debate which is better, Super Mario three or Super Mario World, and I think that's going to be a debate between me and you till the end of time. I'll be on my deathbed. Three was better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that might come up in our Nerd Cave Retro panel on Sunday. I might
1: actually uh, put that in my will to have that on my tombstone. <laughs> SMB three was better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh And you're the last thing you ever because I mean, we might have like virtual reality text by that point, yeah. But the last thing you send me will be that text, yeah, with you giving me the middle finger. <laughs> Three was better, and I would love you for it mm-hmm. if you did that. <laughs> on, on February 14th, 1991, DMA Design releases Lemmings. A puzzle game that requires the player to lead a group of lemmings through a dangerous environment to an escape portal. I remember this game was featured in Nintendo mm-hmm. Power. Um at some point early on when I started collecting it. I never played it though.
1: I didn't either, but I remember this game had a crazy big marketing push. Mm-hmm. Like it was in everything. It was like you said, it was in Nintendo Power. It was all over the gaming magazines, every it was advertised everywhere. And even then, I had no desire to play this game. I don't know why. I've never played it to this day.
0: No, it's <clears> one <throat> of those games that, like, I'm kind of curious about, but I'm also like, eh, I'm not really in a huge rush to play it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a ROM of it, which I might fire it up one of these days. I, I might do that soon, just to give it a whirl and see what it's like, and do a uh, do a review of it.
0: Yeah. No, it's not a bad idea.
1: It might be one of those hidden gems that we missed and never played.
0: Yeah, you never know.
1: Uh, let's see. In February 2nd of 1994, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 introduces Knuckles the Echidna. So do you think they're going to introduce Knuckles in the next Sonic the Hedgehog
0: movie? Or is say it just going to be, be, be Tails? Next... He could be a villain in the next Sonic movie. Could be. Oops. Because he did start out as a villain. In Sonic 3, he's actually a villain who shows up and will, um, trolling is kind of the right word (laughs) to say, but he will detour your progress throughout the game. So he's kind of an annoyance. But by the end, you know, essentially he's tricked by Robotnik into thinking that Sonic's come to his island to steal the Chaos Emeralds. But of course, you know, in the end, Knuckles turns. He's actually one of the most popular characters. Yeah. In the um in the entire franchise, so I think if they do introduce him in the sequel, it's gonna be a big deal because people love them some Knuckles the Echidna. But oh yeah, Sonic Sonic Three itself is a very good game. It's um, it was one that I played you know quite a bit because you could actually alternate between you could play as the combo of Sonic and tails, or as Sonic or Tails individually. I wonder why they didn't put Sonic
1: really 3 cool. on the, uh, the, the Genesis Mini.
0: I have no idea. Because Sonic 3 is, is really good. And then you had the Sonic and Knuckles aspect where you could plug the Sonic 3 cartridge yeah. into Sonic and Knuckles and you have this one huge game where you can also then play as Knuckles. Was was just great. Yeah. But Sonic 3, I can't say enough nice things about it. It's... <clears throat> It's not as good as Sonic 2, in my opinion, but it's very close. But it's a very good game. Yeah. On February 24th, 1995, Squaresoft releases Front Mission for the SNES. I do not remember this game. I don't either, but the the cover art makes me think of uh, Chrono Trigger. It does. For some reason. Yeah, this It was made is, by the same company, so... This is a tactical
1: role-playing game. A lot like, um... I'm trying to think of what this would
0: be like. Um... I don't... Let's see. I see the overhead screenshot. It almost looks like an RTS. Yeah, Part I'm, of me wants to look up gameplay of this, because this might be something I want to try out. Maybe. I, I'm, so I, didn't, never I didn't play too this. many games of this genre growing up, so it could be a whole new experience for me. Maybe. You should look up and see if you can find a
1: ROM or something.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen this game in any store.
1: Yeah, because I, like I said, I was just going to say, I've never seen this game. I've never heard of it. This is the first I've ever heard
0: of it. And I mean, it's, it's a square title from that era, so yeah. I can't imagine that it would be that bad. Who Let's knows? see.
1: Uh, February 13th of 1996, Atari Corporation announces a plan to merge merge with JTS Incorporated. And let's see what this is. Um, it was a maker of inexpensive IDE hard drives for personal computers based in San Jose, California.
0: San Josie. Uh, so even with the they... cash
1: infusion from Achari, Atari, JTS quickly ran out of money on February 24th or 23rd, 1998, JTS sold the Atari intellectual property to Hasbro for $5 million in cash. Later that year, they filed for Chapter 11 and converting involuntarily Chapter 7 on February 28th, 1999. Hmm. So that's what happened to the Atari name.
0: I feel like Atari... If a nuclear attack happens, <laughs> two, two things are going to survive. Cockroaches, cockroaches and Atari. And Atari. <laughs> I, I, I feel like every yeah. week there's either a news article or when I'm pulling up gaming history, there's something to do with Atari. Oh, yeah. Every single time.
1: We still haven't heard anything, any kind of updates about the, uh, the VCS. The last update we heard was that production was being uh, ground to a halt because of the coronavirus
0: yeah yeah th- that thing is um that thing is causing some problems actually, I think that was just an excuse
1: that they went with. They're like, oh, there's a virus oh
0: <laughs> oh, that I have no doubt yeah. I mean, the coronavirus is it it's um I've been hearing a lot about it mm-hmm. we'll just say that. <laughs> Uh, Let's see, February 28th of 1997, Turok Dinosaur Hunter is released for the N64. I loved Turok.
1: That was such a good
0: game. Oh, Turok was just mindless fun.
1: You go back and play it now, and it's like, ew, this is gross. (laughs)
0: Was there an arcade version of Turok? I don't know. I think so. I feel like there was, or a game very similar to it, because I remember in, in University Mall, there was a machine that was like Turok, but I can't remember if it was actually Turok, but you were chased by dinosaurs, and it was the most fun game at the arcade. Uh, let's see. I don't think... No, I don't see one. It trying. must have been something similar, but I remember yeah. dinosaurs were involved. Because you were like in a jeep, oh! And you were being that, chased. I think
1: that was Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, it might have been. Pretty Jurassic sure Park. that
1: was the Jurassic Park arcade. You're game.
0: right. Yeah, yeah, it was Jurassic Park. I yeah, still see it was those occasionally.
1: I Think there's one at the bowling alley.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: i'd love to go back and play like a remastered Turok. they should do
0: that oh that reminds me i was going to tell you this so i don't know if it's the entire weekend but i know for sure tomorrow at the. the bar slash arcade play that's um, downtown, like down the road from Graffiti Pizza, where mm-hmm. we've ate a couple of times. Yeah. They're doing a Mario party. Really? For Pensacon. I-, I saw some pictures and like the decorations are legit. Like they even have a giant pipe and everything. One wow. bar. We might have to make that. I hope it's not just tomorrow because otherwise, like if it's going on throughout the whole weekend, we got to check it out.
1: Oh, yeah. If it's going on the whole weekend, we're going.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, see, almost to the end here. February eighth of nineteen ninety nine, Mario Party is released for the Nintendo sixty four.
0: So I didn't play Mario Party all that much when it initially came out, but I, I have had a uh, drunken evening <laughs> or two playing Mario Party.
1: I didn't know this was developed by Hudson Soft.
0: Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Learn something new every day. Mario Party games are fun.
1: Is it still developed by Hudson Soft? Is Hudson Soft still even a
0: company? That I am not sure of. Uh, Let's see. Mario Party 10? Is that what we're up to now? 10? It is not Hudson. It was developed by ND Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to look up to see if Hudson Soft
1: was still a company, but there's like a Wikipedia page about three miles long.
0: I forgot they did a Mario Party for the Switch, Super Mario Party. Oh, is there? I haven't played that one yet. Mm. Yeah, it came out in October of 2018.
1: Man, I haven't played a Mario Party game in at least a decade
0: and a half. It's been a while for me too. But they're they're fun though. Yeah. I mean they they serve their purpose. They're they're fun party games. Yeah, they're not
1: something you're gonna want to sit and play by yourself
0: though. Yeah, that's true. But to close us out for this month in video game history and close us out for February, on February 3rd, 2000, Resident Evil Code Veronica is released for the Dreamcast. I never played this Resident Evil. Uh, I don't think I did either. Um, I it also I... came out for the GameCube and um, PS2. No, You know what? I think I did play this. On the
1: GameCube at one point. I think I actually had this, but I didn't have it
0: very long. I do remember hearing about it, but uh, <clears throat> but never played it. Be nice if I, they... I, I'm, not too, I'm not too well-versed in, in Resident Evil. Yeah, well, they're
1: do- doing a Resident Evil 3 remake, so I wonder yeah. if they're going to do Code Veronica as well. I mean, I'm sure if Resident Evil 3 does well. They'll just keep going. Yeah,
0: if it does well and the audience wants it, why not? Yeah, those Resident
1: Evil games are good, especially uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake was so good. Like, it was mm-hmm. that was exactly what they needed to do for a remake.
0: One day I'll sit down and play a Resident Evil. You game. should.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we go into our review for tonight, Derek has some shout
0: outs. Yeah, so as always, we like to shout out our awesome Patreons over at patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. We want to shout out AxeBlade07, who's actually indirectly responsible for my review tonight. Mm -hmm. John Jekyll and Daniel Salmon. So thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. As I said, if you want to be a part of our Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro.
1: And tonight we're going to be talking about... good music for this game. I've never played this game. The music I went through on YouTube is great, and they have a a playlist where they have each song for the game that's on a loop for, like, I think, like an hour or something Mm -hmm. like that. I'm like, that's cool.
0: That's something that's so consistent with the Sonic games is just the music is nine times out of ten on point, and this game is absolutely... No exception. I was actually very curious as to what you were going to pick because there's so many good songs to choose from.
1: Well, they had this, this one. one. They also had this This actual song had lyrics to it as well, but I picked the one that, that was just the music.
0: hmm There's also the, the opening song, too. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Boom, which— and I'll, Well, I'll get into it in a second, but this week I will be reviewing Sonic the Hedgehog CD, commonly referred to as Sonic CD which came out in 1993 for the Sega CD. I know we've talked a little bit about the um, additions to the Genesis, one of them being Sega CD. And a lot of those additions didn't really work, but this is by far the highlight because who would have thought that it would have created arguably the best 2D Sonic game ever made. The Sega CD came out in 92?
1: Mm-hmm. In America, and October fifteenth of nineteen ninety two. Wow, I thought it was way later than that.
0: So did I. Like the the release date, honestly, of this game threw me off. I thought this game came out in like ninety five or ninety six because I actually I didn't. Thinking. I didn't play it for the Sega CD because I never got the like the thirty two X or the CD anything like that. This game was actually available for uh, Windows. Yeah, and and I played it that way.
1: See, I didn't even um experienced the Sega CD until I think I was a senior in high school in 95 and I had a friend of mine that had it and I remember he had just gotten it for, like and we went over there for the weekend I think I stayed the weekend at his house and he had like two or three games with it he had like uh sewer shark and um oh uh crap why is the name leaving my head the one that was all the controversy uh the horror game that was ended up being kind of dumb, and it had the chick from Different Strokes in it. Oh, what was it? Why is it leaving my head? We talk about this game
0: all the time. The listeners are screaming at us yeah, right they're now. like
1: yelling at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know but what I'm I, talking I mean, about? I mean, I can't remember it either, but I know what oh, you're talking about. And the other one that had Corey Haim in it, Um mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of that one
0: either. You, you go ahead. I'm going to look that up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Sega, uh, Sonic CD, the story follows Sonic the Hedgehog as he attempts to save an extraterrestrial body, Little Planet, from Dr. Robotnik. So, this game, look-wise, is very similar to Sonic 2. If you go back and look at the original Sonic games, they play very similar, but the look is different. For each of them like the, the graphics are enhanced a little bit but this reminds me more of Sonic 2 than any of the other ones and it plays like your typical Sonic platforming game. you you go through your your world, you collect rings, get to the end all that stuff yeah but the, but the difference is there are different time periods that you can go to you're in the present and then you can travel to the past or to the future. you find these little signs throughout the course labeled past and future so for example if you want to go to the past you hit the past sign and then you have to run at top speed for a few seconds and then you're just blinded by this flash of light and you're transported to the past night trap <laughs> that, that's it night <laughs> trap <laughs> uh, uh, I can't wait to read the comments tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> That just
1: shows that I'm getting, uh, my brain is starting to turn into Swiss
0: cheese. Uh, We all have our moments.
1: Yep. Now I gotta find the game that had, uh, what's his name, Corey Haim. Corey Haim, yeah. I mean, uh, I wonder if I can do a Google search. Sega CD game with Corey Haim. (laughs) (laughs) Is that with an E or is it just R Y?
0: I have no idea.
1: Come on, Google, don't fail me Wait. now. Double Switch. That was it. That name I don't recognize. Yeah, actually. I don't remember Double Switch. Mm-mm. Uh, it was where he was like some kind of hacker in. Um, hold on, let me look up that. Let me. Uh, the uh, Race for Sega CD. The uh, game takes place in an apartment complex, which was built by the famous industrialist, blah, blah, blah. And you he is basically. Uh, Eddie says that he has equipped the building with cameras and traps to protect the tenants from the local criminal element, but one of the tenants has locked him in the basement. He gives the player character control of the cameras and traps and directs him to protect the tenants, trap the handyman, Lyle, whenever possible, and find the security codes to get him out. I think I want to review this game. (laughs) I was about to
0: say, that sounds like... An awesome review.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna find this game and do and can do a uh, a review of it.
0: Uh, I, you absolutely should.
1: I'm sorry. I don't. I didn't mean to derail your your thing. I no, just, you're no, you're good. You're good. I got no. so <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I got so focused on trying to remember freaking Night Trap. What is this game? Oh, it it's was Night Trap. it was physically hurting me that I couldn't remember <laughs> the name of that game. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. All right, back on track. All right, yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay, so Sonic CD. So you can go to the past or you can go to the future. The future, like the levels, look essentially the same, but the texture is slightly different. So in the past, say there's more, everything's a little bit brighter, and there's more, you know, like foliage and whatnot. In the future, everything's more mechanical because Robotnik has taken over the planet.
1: So this is still a side-scrolling 2D game, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, but they're just with the addition of the time travel aspect. Ah. But what but what you do is you can go to the past and find this machine that is starting to um like remodel the the world in robotniks image. <laughs> so you, you can go and destroy it. But then to get the um the um uh yeah they're, called, oh yeah, they're called Time Stones instead of Chaos Emeralds in this game. You have to finish a level with 50 or more rings. And this actually goes to one of my favorite special stages in the entire Sonic franchise. You're chasing a UFO <laughs> through this designated course. Uh, but your, your progress is stopped Like if you run through water or you hit some type of an obstacle. You catch the UFO, you get the Time Stone. And then, if you collect all of them, then you get, you know, the best ending possible. I think I
1: have seen gameplay of this that you're talking about,
0: mm-hmm. but I've and never
1: played this game though.
0: But it's something that you have to know in advance when you start playing this game because when I started playing it again, I completely forgot about the um the the machine that you have to destroy and even the special stage to be honest, because I remember getting 50 rings and hitting the star post, and I'm like, where's the little spinning ring that I jump into to try and get the the time stone? Yeah. But then, you know, I I beat one of the stages with 50 or more rings, and then you start your, your special stage. That so.
1: sounds super familiar. I think I did play this before. You talk about the, the ring that opens up until you go to the special stage. I have played this, but I don't remember when.
0: Well, the, the ring... Where you go into a special stage? What I just described was from Sonic Two. Oh, yeah, well, a- and and uh, Sonic Three. Okay. Well, no, 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 Scratch that. Sonic Three was a little bit different. You had to find the giant rings to jump. See, in I
1: 3. apologize. I'm still relatively new <laughs> to the, the whole Sonic world because I never, no, I didn't no, grow up with good. a with a Genesis. And I played Sonic here and there from a couple of friends that I knew that had. Genesis uh, consoles growing up, but I was never a Genesis kid. i never played Genesis, and I didn't really get into the Sonic games until recently.
0: But this game, it, it, it takes that successful formula for the um, the original games and adds just that little bit of a, an extra dynamic to it, like the new special stage, the addition of time travel, and also introduces the characters of amy rose and metal sonic because people love them some metal sonic and i actually didn't i was introduced to metal sonic and amy rose through the comic book yeah because i had started collecting the old archie series early on archie comics is what originally made the sonic comic book i remember getting issue two In an old grocery store when I was a kid. Back when grocery stores used to sell comic books. I used to love when grocery stores sold comics. And I had just started playing, I believe it was Sonic 2. And I saw this comic book, and of course, you know, I had to have it. And the story was way different than the games. But I loved the story of the comic book, so I kept collecting it. And they would do game tie-ins before the comics. So like in issue 9 they introduced Knuckles and they adapted a little bit of the Sonic 3 storyline. Well, in issue 25 because that was a big accomplishment at that time, they adapted this game where they introduced Amy Rose and Metal Sonic. Okay. And it's essentially and it has one of the cooler um boss battles where you're kind of you're essentially racing Metal Sonic in a, a world called Stardust Speedway. And then you rescue Amy at the end, and then you know you fight Robotnik, and you get your, your ending, you know, depending on whether or not you uh, collected all the time stones. So it, it doesn't differentiate that much from the Sonic formula, but it adds enough to, to make it quite a bit of fun. And this is one of the most <clears throat> critically and fan-acclaimed Sonic games ever made. So it was originally released for the Sega CD, but it was also came out on Windows, GameCube, PlayStation 2, Android, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, iOS, Windows Phone, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Hmm. That's a pretty impressive... List Like, that shows you the demand and how much people love this game. The fact that it keeps getting released over and over and over. I remember it came out for the Sonic Gems collection for the GameCube, because before you had the Sonic, I think, Mega Collection that had your classics like Sonic 1, 2, and 3, the more iconic games. And then the Gems Collection had the more obscure games. Like, it had the Sonic... um, Sonic Fighters game for arcade had a lot of the Game Gear (coughs) games and but their big selling point was Sonic CD because I I still have my copy because that was what I played leading up to the review of this and it had both Sonic and Metal Sonic on the cover I'm gonna have
1: to get this for GameCube
0: I'm sure you can find both the Mega and Gems collection for a pretty good price I would think because I, 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 they have it at both Price Busters and at Trading Post uh, here in town. What but is it? it? It's a cool... Oh, go ahead. What is
1: it called on the GameCube? Is it called Sonic CD? It's
0: called... it's, The overall game is Sonic Gems Collection. Sonic but, Gems. But, but when you go to select it on your menu, it's Sonic CD.
1: Okay, Sonic. Let me, let me look this up. Let's see. Sonic...
0: But another cool thing about this game, we mentioned the music. This also had a fully animated opening sequence that had never been done with a Sonic game before. And it's in the style of the old-school Japanese anime. Yeah. Because it wasn't... A few years after this, they actually released a Sonic movie that was animated in the style of like a 90s Japanese anime. It's, it's not bad. You know, it, I, I prefer most of the cartoon series to it, but it's still worth a watch if you're, if you're a Sonic fan. If you want to but get it remember...
1: on GameCube, you can actually pick it up right now on GameStop.com at pre on of course, uh fourteen ninety nine plus shipping.
0: I think that's worth it. That's not bad. Because you've got quite a few games on it. Like yeah. I said, you've got Sonic CD, you've got Sonic the Fighters. Um, there are other games you can unlock too that are non-Sonic games. Like I remember unlocking Vector Man for for that game. So, it, I think it's definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, they got a bunch on uh, eBay. Uh, mm-hmm. Ooh, here's one that's like still in the in the in the uh, wrapping, and it's seventy five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. But no, the
0: back to the the whole animated yeah. opening. I remember watching that for the first time on computer because I had played it for Windows, and was just blown away by it because it's one thing to to play the game, but then when you see Sonic actually physically moving like an animated form, yeah, and it just blew my mind. Like, oh, I I just I need more, I need more Sonic stuff.
1: <laughs> so, what kind of animation was it? Is it like two D
0: animation or? Yeah, it's like the old like hand-drawn Japanese anime. Oh, uh, okay. I'm sure you can find the opening sequence on YouTube, but it has the song Sonic Boom yeah. attached to it, and there's an epilogue that's in full animation too that has like a, a more mellow version of Sonic Boom. Yeah. So it it was it was really cool to see back then. And this play this game definitely has its its place in Sonic history because It introduced, you know, Amy Rose is still around. She's not, like, a huge character, but she's still relevant in the the Sonic universe. And then Metal Sonic is just cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Metal Sonic. I remember, so I mentioned Sonic Heroes. Uh, It might have been as soon as last week, which is not a very good game, in my opinion. But as a cool twist, they brought back Metal Sonic as the main villain, Hmm. and he was this huge, almost like Metal Sonic on steroids called Metal Madness, where he was huge and was floating, you know, in the air, and that was how you had to fight him as supersonic. Yeah. So it, it was, that part of the game was cool, but overall it was, it was, it was not a great game. <laughs> but uh, but um, Sonic CD did receive, as I said, critical acclaim. The Sega CD version sold more than 1.5 million copies, making it the system's bestseller. And I would be willing to bet that it's probably not close with the other games. But um, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 9, Electronic Games 92, GamePro a 5 out of 5, Sega Pro 90%, and Entertainment Weekly. Gave it an A minus. So it, people love Sonic fans love this game. Like it, it's talked about on the same level as a Sonic two or a Sonic three. Like it's discussed in the upper tier of the two D Sonic games. And I, I I don't disagree with it. I don't have the same sentimental value that I have with like a Sonic 2 or a Sonic 3, because I I played this game almost sparingly, in a way. But as as I've gotten older and I've played it again, I I do appreciate it. So I I would say if you're a Sonic fan, you definitely have to have it in your collection. If you're going to buy it, I would buy the Gems collection for the GameCube, so you get the Game Gear games and others along with it. It you know, says I, here, I, I'm not. Hmm? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was
1: reading here about um, some critics were divided over the change of soundtrack between the international and North American versions. Um, Game Fan, which had given the Japanese version of Sonic, Sonic CD a perfect score of 100%, lambasted the North American version due to the change of soundtrack. Game fan editor Dave Halverson called the change an atrocity that remains the biggest injustice in localization history. The reviewer for GamesRadar claimed to have shut his GameCube off in disgust when he realized Sonic Gems collection used the American soundtrack. Um, In a 2008 interview, Nielsen said, I think critics were looking for a way to bash the game. It was like we replaced the music for Star Wars after the movie had been out for a while.
0: Yeah, I think shutting your GameCube off in disgust is a little extreme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I actually didn't know that there was a difference in soundtracks. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find both versions on YouTube just to compare the two. I mean, for me, it's like I didn't know that, so it didn't it didn't take away from the experience for me. Yeah. I personally love the soundtrack of this game,
1: and I don't know if there are too many Sega CD. Add-ons that are still working to this day that you could go yeah. back and actually play the original CD ver- Sega CD version.
0: Yeah, I you'd be hard pressed to find a Sonic game that doesn't have good music. Yeah, like I I, I would uh, one day I'll have to compile a list of like my favorite Sonic songs because I know some of them you can find on Spotify, but. As like with the Sonic movie coming out and me kind of going through a Sonic phase, I've found myself listening to the soundtracks, especially to the old games. Those soundtracks are great. Yeah. Throughout all three of the original games, in my opinion, even some of them from Sonic and Knuckles are good, too.
1: Yeah. I always enjoyed the, the, the music for the Sonic games even mm-hmm. though I was I was you know never played them all that much it definitely was the kind of music that stuck in your head like even if you only played it once or twice you had that you know very easy to recall the sonic music
0: mhm no i 100% agree with that but um i'm trying to think of what i would give this game cuz i don't want to knock it too much but I wouldn't give it like the nine and a half that most people would give. Yeah. I would say I'd give it a solid eight. It's not bad. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's definitely a very fun Sonic game. I love the time travel aspect of it. it. It adds a new challenge to that traditional Sonic formula. Yeah, And the character of Metal Sonic is really cool. But again, I didn't grow up with it. I didn't grow up with the same attachment that a lot of other people did. yeah. But I, I do very much enjoy it. it it's, it's definitely up there as far as best Sonic games ever made. That's so, cool.
1: I might keep an eye out for this and uh, pick it up if I come across it at the uh, local retro game store.
0: You should. The, the the gems collection and even the mega collection is definitely worth it.
1: I'm definitely uh, into collecting for my GameCube at this point.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I've. I want to get back into collecting more, but I'm also like really trying to (laughs) save money.
1: Yeah, same here. I've been in the collecting board games lately. I've been going to. I saw that uh, on Twitter. Yeah, I have a bunch of like thrift stores and goodwill, like this really big goodwill store that just opened up around the corner from my house. There's a thrift store that's like across the street from, uh, kind of catty corner from where we are and it's pretty big. So I actually went in there last week and I found um I found uh, brand new versions of Sorry, uh Battleship and Clue. And I got them all three of those for 6 bucks.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, and then I found um Mario Kart Monopoly on clearance at GameStop for $14. I was like, "Yes. Wow.
0: Sweet." Yes. I haven't played a board game in forever. Hey, board games are fun. They are, especially if you get a group of people. Oh, yeah. Back when when I went through a board game phase, I loved playing Risk. Yeah, I haven't played Risk
1: in decades, man. I remember we used to play Risk all the time back when I was in early years of high school.
0: But that's one that you got to set aside a night for that. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be playing for a while.
1: Sometimes it's the whole weekend and you're taking yeah. up the entire uh, dining room table.
0: Yeah, there are some games of Risk that just will not stop. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a fun game. But yeah, overall, that that's my thoughts on uh, Sonic CD. It's, it, it's definitely up there as far as the good 2D Sonic games. If you're a Sonic fan, chances are you already have it in your collection. But if you don't, you got to get it. It's Fantastic.
1: Well, um, let, before we leave here tonight, uh, Derek, I'll let you go down the list of what we're gonna be doing this weekend. And uh, like I said, by the time this drops, you have about twenty-four hours before the official start of Pensacon twenty twenty, and let everybody know where we're gonna be.
0: So between the two of us, we are doing nine panels throughout the entire weekend nine times nine. nine so so yours truly is going to get things literally like this is going to be one of the first panels of the convention so friday february 28th i'm kicking things off at the rex theater at 1:30 p.m i will be moderating the q a for Catherine sutherland who was the second Pink Power Ranger of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and former Derek Diamond Experience guest. And then fast forward to 5.15 at the Pensacola Little Theater. I'll be moderating the Q&A for WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page, which is like top three panel that I'm looking forward to. Like I've wanted to meet DDP since 1998. So this is going to (laughs) be... Hopefully I don't make a complete idiot out of myself.
1: Yeah, don't ask him anything stupid or he'll, he'll <laughs> pull a diamond cutter on you on stage.
0: <laughs> uh, that would actually be hilarious. Ask him what I gave
1: would... him diarrhea last year.
0: <laughs> I should ask him why he wasn't here. Like, Did you, for some wild reason, decide to eat Taco Bell?
1: Yeah. Either that or he had a bad Cinnabon at the, uh, the airport.
0: I feel like Cinnabon would probably kill him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or Sparrow.
0: Or Cinnabon would probably kill either one of us too. Like, Cinnabon yeah, I think so. If
1: I ate a Cinnabon right now, I would probably go into diabetic shock.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't eat for a week. Yeah, I would I instantly become diabetic <laughs> if I ate But, one. Uh, but all joking aside, I, I'm really looking forward to the D panel. It should oh, be a I lot would of fun. Be too.
1: That's that's great.
0: Yeah, shut um, up, dogs. Then, <laughs> can you hear that? Then, Those stupid yes, dogs next door. They're excited for the DDP panel, too. Uh, February 29th, that Saturday, you will be doing the What Should Be Canon and Star Wars panel at mm-hmm. the Grand Hotel Room B at 1.30 p.m. Really excited to watch that. And then we'll both be on the panel for Stephen King film and TV adaptations. Again, at Grand Hotel Room B at 5.15, which I'm hoping that... Steve Wise, who we've both talked about on this podcast, he's supposed to be on the panel. And it, <laughs> I'm going to carve out some time because I've got a I was telling you off here. I've got a funny video that oh, okay. I, I want to make and <laughs> send to you and to him. Yeah, I know you'll get a kick out of it. I'm sure he will, too, just because it's knocking him. But then, Jason, right after that, mm-hmm. 630 p.m., prime time spot at Pensacon Grand Hotel Room B. Defending bad movies to the revenge.
1: Yes.
0: If you can make it out to like three panels this entire weekend, this needs to be one of them. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be. I'm gonna be moderating. It'll be you, Wally, uh, Brandon Rutledge, who is super fan of the Nerd Cave Retro Show, and Nathan Simmons, who will be sitting on. I'm not sure if Julio is gonna be on the panel or not. Oh, I hope he is. I know. I hope he is, too. I know he listed himself as going on the event, so, so I'm lovely. hoping that he is because he, he's, he's one of the originals. He's, yeah. he's got to be up there. I know he's got a lot more responsibilities with Pensacon now, but <laughs> I know if, if he can be there, I'm sure he will be. Yeah. But long story short, I'm going to pull at random uh, bad movie titles out of a hat, and we have to say nothing but good things about them. <laughs>
1: Which is not and, easy and to do.
0: And as I and if they fail to, uh, they will get buzzed and they can't talk until I draw another name out. Yeah. And I, I've got a more effective buzzer system now. So Awesome. I I, I will not be as lenient with the buzzer this time. <laughs> and, and as I said at the top of the show, the magic number is 80. Mm. Ah. So a lot so of bad to, movies. <laughs> and and then and then to wrap things up. On March 1st at 11 a.m., again, at Grand Hotel Room B, we'll be doing our Nerd Cave Retro panel where we're talking about the Mario Brothers franchise. That will be Mm -hmm. me, you, and Mr. Wally Phelps. And then at 2.45 p.m. at the Sanger Meeting Room, I'll be moderating the Q&A for (laughs) Boxing Legend Butterbean. So I could get a diamond cutter and get my face knocked off (laughs) this entire weekend if I don't... Yes. If if I'm not... If if I'm an (laughs) idiot... (laughs) during these panels i will just get physically destroyed (laughs) um and then at four o'clock you and wally will be again at grand hotel room b talking about the star wars sequel trilogy Mm -hmm. which should be a lot of fun and then to close things out i'm opening and closing pensacon with celebrity panels which is interesting At Pensacola Little Theater, I'll be moderating the Q&A panel for Dee Wallace, who most people will know as the mom from Mm E.T. And the mom from Cujo. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So a lot of fun stuff. And after the review and listening off the panels, I am tired.
1: Yes. (laughs) Imagine how you're going to feel Sunday evening.
0: Oh when my God! I, I said this to Wally on Twitter. I've already made plans with a hot bath oh, after yeah. Pensacotton's over. Like as soon as I get home, I'm filling up my tub with some scalding hot water, and I'm just gonna lay in it for half an hour. And
1: think you only have to drive like five minutes. I have to drive almost two hours after everything's done. That's true. Mm, that's not. That is
0: be very fun. true. <laughs> but I'm yeah, sure I'm, you'll
1: sleep very well. I'm super excited for this weekend, so if you're listening to this, please come to Pensacon. if not um am sorry, you can't make it this year, but you know if if you live far away or you know you're out of the country, try to make uh plans for next year. It's always in february it's always the weather's always nice uh if mm-hmm. you get- there's always hotel rooms available within you know five minutes of the convention center, like i said um i got my hotel like 3 weeks ago and um got it you know a, a mile or two away like less than 5 minutes away from the convention center so there's always yeah. hotel rooms available it's it's you know get your book your flights now for next year and uh because there's always good guests there's always stuff to do the whole city turns mm-hmm. into pensacon so you're missing out on one of the best conventions in the country so if you can't make it this year Please try to make
0: it next year. And for this year, if you aren't able to make it, I am going to record a few of these panels mm-hmm. that we'll use as as podcast episodes. Like yeah. the the Nerd Cave Retro one, I'm going to record, and then the Defending Bad Movies and Stephen King, I will record as well. So, if you're not able to make it, you'll get a little taste of what Pensacon is like. Yeah. But all in all, it should be fun. I'm I'm really excited to you know, do all this stuff. I'm excited to hang out with you and Wally all weekend. Absolutely. So it should be a a really fun time.
1: Well, um, I think that's going to bring us up to the end of the show. So anything else you want to throw out there before we leave this evening?
0: Um, As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, check out the Derek diamond experience. If you're listening to this, the day that nerd cave retro comes out, you can finish this episode and then go check out my conversation with Cindy Morgan. Star of Tron and Caddyshack, as well as my chat with you about the original Tron film and other cool 80s movies from that time frame. And then um, I will be, I'll be waiting a week to release Defending Bad movies because I want to release that as episode 250. Fantastic. Because this upcoming, this upcoming episode will be 248. And then for 249, I'm going to review the Sonic movie. And then 250 will be defending that movie. And then get this, after that is the six year anniversary of that show. Oh,
1: six years. I was thinking the other day like this <clears throat> this year marks eight years that I've been podcasting.
0: That's insane. It's been a long time. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be seven for me because we started Nerd Cave in, yeah, in May of 2013.
1: And I was actually thinking of just as a Patreon only exclusive. I was actually could because it's not available anywhere. I was thinking about going and releasing the very first uh podcast that me and Wally ever did as oh, the I Broke Nerdcast. So I was thinking about maybe releasing that just as Patreon only release and uh the next to just to commemorate eight years podcasting for me.
0: I would love to hear that because I never heard the original episode. Because I, I remember you guys had changed the show to the Dark Quarter, mm-hmm. and I learned I listened to the last I think couple of episodes of that, and then, you know, I was really introduced to you through you know Pop Culture Palette.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because we went, cause... I think we did like seventy-two episodes of Broke Nerdcast, then we did, hundred and twenty or so of uh, Pop Culture Palette. And then, of course, we were doing nerd. We started the Nerd Cave Retro Show uh, about a year or two before Pop Culture Palette ended. And uh, so, I've done three very long shows <laughs> in my eight years of podcasting.
0: Yeah, because this would be, I think, episode one sixty-eight. Mm-hmm.
1: We're getting up there. We're almost at two hundred. We're gonna hit two hundred. Is it this year? We're gonna hit two hundred.
0: Uh, I'd have to do the math yeah. real quick. It might be towards
1: the end of the year. We're going to have to do something super special for 200.
0: It'll either be that or like very early 2021. Yeah. Well, so. speaking of celebrations, you know, Survey just needs one more festival to make 50. <sighs>
1: Almost. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Because Steve messaged me the other day and he said it's one away from 50. And I'm like, I'll get the confetti ready. Yeah, it'll happen. I just wish I could. I just wish I could be around him when he gets the notification that it hits 50 because I would have a confetti gun and I would just shoot it in the air and just be really obnoxious about it.
1: We just need to go to his house with those little confetti little things that you pull and he answers the door. We just hit him in the face with confetti. Uh,
0: That would give him a heart attack. Oh, man. But no, it, lot lot of good stuff happening and on the horizon. So, and even yeah. you know, for the first time, I think since November, the Parker Syndrome got a a selection. Fantastic! Yeah, That's I really saw cool something stuff.
1: got added the other day, and uh, I kind of been uh, laying a little low on social media lately. I'm trying to know, a lot of personal stuff's been going on lately, so I've just been avoiding <laughs> social media. But I won't be avoiding social media this weekend. If you, if you want to follow me and all my shenanigans at, uh, at Pentacon this weekend, just follow me on Twitter at JFunktastic and Instagram at JFunktastic. I'm pretty sure I'll be posting a lot on those two platforms because yeah. I'll be honest, I think I'm about two seconds away from deleting my Facebook account.
0: Yeah, I really only use it to plug, like, this show and That's all I ever use it for. And and the Parker Syndrome.
1: I might just change it over to, uh, what do they call it? Not a celebrity account, but, like, a, uh, whatever. I know what you're talking about, but I can't
0: remember the actual term for it. It's
1: something like that, where it's, like, an actual page. Like, make a comedian page for me, and then just completely Mm -hmm. just get rid of my personal page. Because I just, I don't want to deal with it anymore, ever
0: a lot of toxic stuff going on it
1: is but um yeah i'm i'm ready to go ahead and call it a show because uh it's getting late and i am so ready to hit Pensacon. and i am um, too man i just um, only two more sleeps till Pensacon.
0: <laughs> two more sleeps <laughs> two
1: more till sleeps Pentagon. But, uh, but that's about it. Let me go ahead and pull up our notes here, and I will play our music. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at JFontastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month, and you can get us back up to that $50 level where we do the cool extra episodes for you guys every month that you like so much like commentary tracks and such and if you can't do that you can't throw us a buck a month go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts or sold so Derek please tell them what it's all about this is the way